we've started a new series, and we're going through the book of First First Peter. And we looked at uh, the first 13 verses, uh, or the first 12 verses, uh, two weeks ago. And uh, we're going to be looking at verses uh, 13 through 21 this morning. I just need to say this, church, we've been discussing this as elders, and we're going to be discussing it more in the days ahead. But um, it's really important that we are making disciples in this church. You know, Jesus gave us the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. We said in verses 18 through 20, and it's in your outline this morning, said, And Jesus came to him, came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, we're really good at doing church. And we're really busy at doing church. But we're doing a really poor job at making disciples. And that needs to be a priority in the days ahead. We don't know what that's going to look like. We don't want this to be a program that you just come to and sit in the class um, once a week and uh, think that you're being discipled this way. No, it needs to be relational. It needs to be organic. But we need to be pouring into others what we have learned through the pages of God's Word. We need to be reproducing ourselves. And this isn't just a problem that we're having in our church, that, but this is a problem that we're having in churches across the country. And so you're going to be hearing more about this, but what, am I, what I'm sharing with you this morning is, is part of the discipleship process. The church needs to know these truths. And I think we have a lot of Christians who are sitting in chairs this morning, right here in this service this morning, the things that I'm going to be sharing with you, maybe you're not familiar with, or it's gone in one ear and out the other. If we're going to grow in our walk with the Lord, if we're going to become more like Jesus Christ, we need to be obeying these commands this morning. We're going to be looking at three commands this morning. And it's hard to obey these commands if we don't know what Jesus has already done for us. And so if you missed two weeks ago, I want to encourage you to go back and... um, You can find the message on Facebook and just allow God's word to remind you of the hope, of the awesome hope that as God's children we have in Christ. Just very briefly, let me just go over what we looked at two weeks ago. In verse 2, we learned that we did not save ourselves. It was it, our salvation involved the triune Godhead. It required it involved the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and it is God who called you to Himself. You cannot save yourself. 
It was only because of the grace of God. And then in verse 3, uh, Peter tells us that we've been born again, that by His grace, by His grace and mercy, that we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We don't worship a dead hope. We're the only religion that worships a living hope because our God lives. Our God reigns. He conquered sin and death. And this is ours. We've been born again to this living hope. Verse 4, we have an inheritance that is secure, that is imperishable. It's undefiled. It is unfading. And He is keeping it for us for all eternity. Not only do we have an inheritance that He's keeping, but guess what? He's keeping you in verse 5. He's You are in protective custody this morning. And sometimes we go through trials and tribulations and we wonder, God, are you there? God, do you care about me? I'm I'm telling no Peter is telling us this morning, church, that he is guarding you. He is safekeeping you. It's not up to you, it's up to him. And you can trust him. Verses 8 and, eight and 9, verses 7 and 8 and 9, talks about rejoicing when we're going through the fires, when we're going through the trials, the tribulation, and we are going to go through them. And the Bible talks a lot about suffering. But when we go through suffering, God has a plan through it all. He is purifying your faith. Your faith is more precious than gold. And boy, how we like to work together, work for gold. We think that that's where our hope is. The more gold we can can surround ourselves, the better off our life is going to be. No, what matters to God is that you are depending on Him. And He is praying for your faith. And He's using that suffering, He's using that fire, that tribulation, to remove the impurities, to to remove the dross so that you can be more like His Son, Jesus, and trust Him in all things, in everything. And so we can rejoice in that because we know that that's what God is doing. All things work together for good. Okay? God wants to use it for our good. And it's not the kind of good that you like to be good you know, fun things in your life. No, good things in your life that are going to make you stronger and more like Christ. That's the kind of good that he's talking about here. And then we come to verse 13 this morning. And uh, let me just begin with verse 13. But again, when we talk about this hope, this hope is all through uh, chapter 1. It is all about hope. And so you need to know these things. And so two weeks ago we talked about all that God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And now this morning we're moving from what uh, the descriptions of what Christ has done, God has done, to this morning of what the commands are, what the expectations are as a result of being followers of Christ. So verse 13 through verse 21 this morning. Therefore, 
And the therefore is therefore is there because of everything in verses 1 through 12. Okay, so you got to remind yourself of verses 1 through 12. So important for us to have hope. Therefore, prepare, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with a precious blood of Christ, like the Lamb of God without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So, three commands that I want you to see here this morning in light of the truths in verses 1 through 12. Verse 13 says, Prepare your minds for action. Prepare your minds for action. Based on what God has already done for us in in fulfilling the commands that Peter's going to lay out for us this morning, we need to prepare our minds. You know, preparation is involved in getting involved in game time events. You know, today is the first day of the NFL season. What are football players doing before they step out on that on that football field today? Praying. <laughs> They're preparing. They, they are preparing their minds for battle. And one of the ways they're preparing is they're putting on that uniform. Yeah, you're not going to watch football players compete today who aren't wearing the uniform, aren't wearing the pads. Because if they're not wearing that stuff, not, if they don't got their helmet and things of that nature, and they get out on their front, they're going to get pulverized. My friends, if, if you want to have hope this morning, okay, um, this is the first command. We need to be people who are living in hope. If we want to have hope this morning, Peter says, we need to be preparing our minds. It starts with our minds for action. Being sober-minded. Now, that's the first command. Live in hope. Verse 13 says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully. 
Did you set your hope fully on Christ this week? You know, when Peter says, set your hope fully, he's not saying, set your hope mildly, or partially, or temporarily. No, he's saying, set your hope fully in the grace of our coming Savior. So let's talk about your week for a moment. Or the last two weeks. How many of us reminded ourselves of all that God has already done for us, knowing that He's keeping you, He's using those trials to purify your faith, that you are in protective custody. Did you remember those things when you were going through the heat of the battle? Peter's saying you need to set your hope fully on the grace of God. This needs to be daily. This needs to be moment by moment. And I know what life is like. I mean, I had one of those weeks too. I preached this message. I preached last two weeks of those message, and I didn't live according to what I told you to do, told us to do. Life has a way of just squeezing the hope out of us, doesn't it? But we must set our hope fully, and when we stumble, we got to get back up and do again. Alright? So set your hope fully, not partially. Where are some places that we set our hope other than God? For high school students, junior high students, it's probably a boy or girl that they hope will like them. Or maybe it's your job. Maybe you're involved in your in a project right now. And all of your um, energies are going into this project. And you want this project to be successful. And that's where your hope is today. Maybe it's in a spouse. And that spouse isn't coming. You've put your hope fully in this your spouse, and they are not meeting your needs. But you keep doing so, thinking that they will get it and they will be your Savior. Friends, they will never be your Savior. There's only one Jesus, and they aren't it. Whatever you put your hope in, my friend, other than Christ, it will always, always Disappoint. I know some of you are putting yourselves, your hope in the, in the L.A. Dodgers right now, hoping that they're going to win the World Series. You know what? Keep hoping. I say that because I'm a Giants fan. I've lost all hope with the Giants, okay? Where's your hope this morning? Send your kids hoping that your kids will just do everything you want them to do so that they can always be your pride and judgment. They're going to disappoint. Hope, Peter says, to be fully 
in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we put our hope in other things and, and yet still proclaim Christ as being our hope, we are double-minded as we cling to our idols. I'm, I'm pushing to me this morning, too. Because sometimes, no, a lot of times, I come across as rather hopeless as I watch culture today. And I get really discouraged. I get really defeated to see how much culture has changed today. And I get fearful of my children and my grandchildren and my grandchildren's children and the culture that they're going to be living in. But I want you to know this morning that when Peter was writing to these first century Christians who were probably first generation Christians, they were living in one of the vilest cultures that you can imagine. And they were in the minority. But it was in this culture that Christianity exploded and changed the world. And if God can do it back in the first century with those first century Christians, guess what? God can do it again today. And Peter is telling us today, in 2019, to set your hope, the Logan, set your hope fully on the grace of God and the, re- the revelation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's start hoping, church. And let's start with our kids. You know, we're, we're to be making disciples. And that starts with our home. It starts with our children. It starts with our grandchildren. Let's instill in them a heart and a faith that they can hope in God no matter what happens, no matter what situations that they're in. That God is there for them. They can have this optimism about God. They can have optimism about the church and what God will do in their world. This is the hope that Peter is calling us to. This is the hope that God has called us to. Hope in Him. Live in hope. The second command that we see is in verses 15 and 16. Verse 15 says, 15 says, But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Peter says, Live in holiness. Be holy in all your conduct. Be holy as God is holy. Boy, that's simple, isn't it? Yeah, right. Next? No, that's not easy. And yet why is Peter telling us to conduct ourselves in holiness just as God is holy? 
Because God's message hasn't changed, church. Even though this is, this, this is the new covenant, this was a message that was repeated over and over again in the Old Testament. To be holy as God is holy. This is God's expectation for our life. This is God's standard. And he says in verse 14, he says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. As obedient children, do not be conformed to your former lusts in your ignorance. Be like an obedient child. Don't you love obedient children? I mean, when you tell them the first time to go and do something, and they say, okay, and go off and do it, do that, what what do we do as parents? Oh, bless you. You know, and what really gets our attention is when they go and do something without us even having to ask them to do it. Well, those are our favorite children, aren't, aren't they? Those, few, those things are few and far between. But my, how we as parents love it when our children just obey from the heart. I mean, they're not coerced in having to do something. They just want to do it. They, they want to make us happy. That's the kind of holiness that Peter is talking about in this passage of Scripture. As obedient children, you live your life in such a way that God will be pleased. We can't do that in the flesh. If someone tells us, tries to do that, tells us to do that, Oh, we're in the flesh. Oh, we may do it on the outside, but we are resenting it on the inside. And again, you've got to go back to verses 1 through 12. You've got to be appreciative of all that God has done for you. When that hits home, you want to obey. I'm not always there. I let life squeeze out the truths of verses 1 through 12 in my life. But what a blessing it is when our children just want to honor us by being obedient. This uh, this was a this is a celebratory weekend in the Logan household. Um, as many of you know, Susan and I we have the same birth date, but she's a year older than I am, <laughs> and uh, and this was a big birthday for Susan. <laughs> She turned six zero uh, Thursday. Yeah, we can clap for her. 
we we kind of treaded this day on eggshells a little bit, but uh, she wasn't despondent about it. But the children surprised her on Saturday. And truly honored her for all that she has meant to them. And what a blessing that was. Church, when we choose to obey from the heart because of all that God has done for us, He gets that same joy and satisfaction that Susan got from our kids yesterday. Peter says, live in holiness like obedient children. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, don't be conformed to former lusts. He's talking about desires there. And as Christians, when we come to faith in in Christ, We're given a new nature. Unfortunately, we still have this old nature, and that old nature wants to go backwards and go back to the the former things that we did when we that nature was dead. Peter's saying, Don't go back in the past. Don't be conformed to the former lusts. Keep pushing forward. Walk in holiness. Live in holiness as obedient children. Now, how do you get there? Because this is really hard. And again, I just want to remind us what Peter is saying here in the passage of Scripture. It starts with right thinking. Verse 13 says, again, prepare your minds for action. Right thinking then leads to right desires that lead to right conduct in verse 15. So there's a pattern. It's got to start in your mind. And as you prepare your mind for battle, God will begin to give you new desires to obey Him, which will lead to right conduct. Don't start with conduct in the beginning, okay? You're going to fail. You need to start with right thinking. Does this work? Yes, it does. But again, this has to be a constant battle in your life. I've got up here a couple props. One is a cinnamon roll. The other is a dog leash. And, uh, you know, as your pastor, you've watched me for years grow and shrink. Grow and shrink. Well, I want you to know, I'm in the battle again. No, shrinking. (laughs) Yes, it looks like I'm growing. Thank you, Betty. (laughs) 
But yeah, I woke up to this this morning. And, um, you know, when there was wrong thinking, one of these things isn't going to hurt. You know, it's going to make me feel better. And it may make me feel better in the moment, but I'm going to be suffering the consequences in the long term. And I've been suffering the consequences in the long term. So over this last month, I've been saying no to this and saying yes to this and walking my dog either morning or night. And so Gage is my walking buddy. But it's a battle every single day. And I have to say yes to right thinking. I know that if I do this, it's going to lead to new desires and it will lead to right conduct. But I've got to say yes to the right things. I need to be thinking the right things. And I'm thankful that I have a dog that reminds me of this truth every morning. You know, if you give him just a, a little bit of, uh, of a routine, boy, he starts expecting that routine every single morning. And there's been some mornings where I wasn't waking up early enough for him. And when he hears that rooster crow, I live at the edge of the desert, and there's a uh, a rooster somebody's house there in the county, when he hears that rooster crow, that dog is ready. He is expecting me to wake up. And if I'm not waking up, he's going to let me know it. But as I begin once again to develop this routine, you know what? It's going to lead to right conduct. So I don't know where you're at this morning. You're struggling with hope. And, and the hope that you're entrusting in is disappointing. You need to put your, your confidence in what is not going to fade away. That is Jesus Christ. So, what are you focusing on? Then he said, because he also says, preparing your minds for action, verse 13, and being sober-minded. What does that being sober-minded mean? Does that mean that we just have to um, live with abstinence, live without alcohol? Is it just referring to alcohol? No. Alcohol helps, but it's, it's, it's anything that we are consuming our minds with. Is it finances? Is that where we're putting our hope? Or is it in politics? Or is it what our friends think of me or the unmet needs of others you know whatever we're consuming our minds with we are cluttering our minds and we're not living sober minded so set your hope fully on the grace that is ours prepare our minds for action Be sober-minded. 
And then number three, the third command Peter tells us in this passage of Scripture is in verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Conduct yourselves with fear. What he's saying there is live in holy fear. Live in holiness, but then live in holy fear. What does that mean? That means that God is both your father, the Bible says, and your judge. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially. We like to address God as our father. And oftentimes we focus on God as father as this cuddly, warm, loving God who will forgive anything we ever do and that he just kind of turns the other cheek and, you know, it doesn't disappoint him and that God loves us regardless. And we just gravitate to um, license choosing to do whatever and forgetting that God is a holy judge. Now, if your life is in Christ, yes, all your sin has been forgiven, past, present, or future. But again, that doesn't give us license to do whatever. He's our, he's our judge. And our works are going to be judged. And so there needs to be this healthy tension as God's children that yes, He is our loving Heavenly Father, but He is also our judge. And we need to be respecting Him. We need to be living in holy fear. What does holy fear look like? Holy fear looks like this. Holy fear runs away from the sin and seeks forgiveness and the empowering grace of God. We're going to stumble. But in our stumbling, know that we don't have to fear God and run away from Him. We can run to God experiencing that forgiveness and experiencing His grace and power to do better because He is there for us. And so my question to you this morning is what are you fearing? We've got a a lot of different fears, don't we? And we're thinking to ourselves, if this becomes a reality... I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Whether it be your finances, or your children, or your marriage, or your job. That kind of fear is controlling your life. 
And that's not where your fear needs to reside. It needs to reside in a holy God. Why why do we fear shifting sand when our God is the rock of the ages? He's the rock that's not going to roll. He is not going away, friend. So if your hope this morning is in something or someone whom you think is going to be your salvation, is going to be your Savior, I just want to beg you, Pastor, stop it. There's only one Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's where our hope is to reside. You know, it's not fitting for God's people to run, of it, run around and as if the sky is falling. And I put myself in that category. When I take my eyes off Jesus and I look at the newspapers or, or whatever, the things, or things around me, I can have that kind of attitude that the sky is falling. That's not what we would be as God's image bearers. As image bearers, we are to be bearers of living hope. Jesus is sovereign. God is in control. He's got this. Let's be people who have that hope. That hope will never, ever fail us. So live in hope, holiness, and fear. Why? Because we've been ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 19. Verse 18. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers not with perishable things as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that a lamb without blemish or spot. You need to circle that word precious. The blood of Jesus is precious. It means more than anything in the world, and that's what... He's ransomed you with. That's what he has, God has redeemed you with. The blood of his son. It's been a long time since I saw the movie, The Passion of the Christ. It came out in 2004. Can you believe that? 2004. When that movie came 15 years ago. But there is one scene at the end of that movie that I can't get out of my mind when I think about the precious blood of Christ. And it's Mary. They've, they've taken Jesus off the cross. And that very last scene, as the camera's going away, there's first a close-up of Mary holding her dead son in her arms. 
And she's got blood all over her. Do you think she's grossed out at that moment? Not in the least. If that had been me, and I was holding my son, and there was blood all over me, would you know that that blood would be precious to me? I wouldn't be turned off by it. Jesus is holding her son, blood that is precious to her. But not only is she holding her son, but she's holding her Savior. That blood is so precious because it is that blood that has covered her sin and that is the blood that covers our sin this morning. His blood is precious. And guess what, church? Not only was this all made manifest to the to the, to the church, the Christians in the first century, but it's made manifest to us today. The truth, the truths that the prophets talk about in the Old Testament that they long to understand have been manifested to us today. And when we believe these things, when we know these things and we believe these things, we can be his disciples. We can live in hope. We can live in holiness. And we can live in the fear of God. Holy fear. A good fear that wants to run to Him and not from Him. Because He's our dad. He's our Father. And He knows what's best. Church, let's be obedient children. If you're here this morning, and if you've been hoping in things other than Christ, you confess those. If it's a person, would you go to them and say, I need to let you off the hook because I've been trusting you for my salvation. You've been my hope. They can never be your hope. Only Jesus can be. Let's pray. God, what Peter has called us to And these are commands. These aren't suggestions. They're not easy. I pray that we would saturate ourselves in all that you've done for us. That we would be consumed by the the reality of verses 1 through 12. And then, God, we would want to obey you. To be your children who want to be pleasing to you because 
how it blesses our heart when our children obey us. And God, you far more. So may it start with our minds. Give us new desires to pursue you rather than these material things or these others who have been made in your image. That God, that we would pursue you first and foremost and that it would lead to right conduct. Our hope would be placed in the right things, the right person, you, God. That's where you want us to be. And it's all because of your precious blood. So in the quietness of this moment as Trevor's playing, can you just spend some time between you and God Can you begin to put your hope back in Him? Other than that, that's been shifting and disappointing. Tell Him. God, I want to put my hope in you. Help me think correctly. Help me desire correctly so that I can live correctly in glorifying you.